Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Dr. Elsa Tyrion Fenter, who is the director and co owner of Mark Data. Mark Data is an independent marketing and strategic insights consulting and development company. She is registered as a research psychologist at the Health Professions Council and is also a Southern African Marketing Research Association accredited researcher. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Amalia. Dr. Tyrion Fenter, you are a professional researcher with well over three decades of research experience under your belt across various fields, whether it's psychological evaluation of drivers, test construction, survey methodology, media and communication research, as well as health research. Please tell us what triggered your interest to make a career out of research. Well, I ended up in research or I started in research accidentally in the sense that um, I started off with psychology. I didn't like the first three months doing something in psychology. So I decided to apply at the Human Sciences Research Council and I ended up in traffic research. And I'm very glad that life took me in that direction because that was what I was meant to do. First of all, I'm a very curious person by nature. And all of a sudden, I could use my curiosity to actually make that a career for me. And I think the other thing that's very important to me in research is that I always see myself as the voice of the people who cannot be heard. So... We have people, we ask them questions, and then I can relate that to whatever authority organization that needs that questions answered. So for me, I'm I'm the voice of the unheard, and my curiosity is being satisfied through research. And make a difference in people's lives. I I would like to believe so. I love how curiosity is a driver, um, but often not something that people would think about as as a trigger for investigating and pursuing a, a career path. And when you talk about being the voice for the unheard, I think that is incredibly important because quite often it's the loudest voices that get heard, but not necessarily the most important voices and fulfilling the needs of, of people. You mentioned that this was a happen chance that you came into research. Please share a, a few milestones in your journey so far. Um, I think the first, first milestone in my life was um, when I moved in the Human Sciences Research Council to, the, to a division in the Human Sciences Research Council, which was Mark Data. Um, there I realised that that's even more my niche to uh, be a supplier of research because you're covering so many topics. Um, And that is where my curiosity could even be more satisfied because I can work from anything which is from product development to really 
um, NGO research, gender violence. It's absolutely just such a wide field. So I think that was the first milestone. The second one was when we privatized mark data uh, out of the Human Sciences Research Council in 96, when it became a private company. Because the challenges, of course, are very different when you have your own company. You have to make sure that you can pay the people at the end of the month, that you stay sustainable. Um, so there I could also use my uh, Masters in Business Leadership, which I did um, at some point in the 90s. And I could also do more of a consulting uh, business and play more of a consulting role because I had that background as well. So I would say those were the two biggest milestones in my career. And yes, of course, Mark Data evolved and um, over the years. Um, the next milestone was when I took over Mark Data when my one partner passed away and the other one resigned. So then it was my baby that I had to, you know, take forward. Uh, with other partners in the meantime. But, um, yeah, I would say those were the biggest ones that made the most difference in my life. And staying for a moment on the aspect of being a director, owning your own business, as you've mentioned, the, the, the brief history of Mark Data coming through from Human Sciences Council to becoming a completely independent entity, Entrepreneurship is not for the faint-hearted, and on a high level, some of the challenges experienced by female entrepreneurs include elements like access to capital, lack of support, having undeveloped networks, as well as being able to access the market. Firstly, how did you confront some of these challenges? Well, uh, it was very real and um, still is. And, you know, many of these challenges are not um, blatant. It's not set. You know, it's just under undercover, just, just. And I think what uh, females often experience is that um, what I experienced, especially when I was younger, you know, the moment there's a, a male you know, part of the equation, then it is assumed that the male would play the, uh, the senior role. Um, we at Mark Data, we have a very informal policy. We do everything. We answer the phones or whatever. And more than once we would experience if um, a female, myself and my previous partner, would answer the phone, uh, the people would say, can we talk to the manager? You know, there's never an assumption that maybe it is the manager or the owner or whatever who's actually answering the phone. I've always uh, took the stance that, you know, it's your problem. It's not my problem. So I do what I do and I do it well. And um, I basically ignored those type of things. I found that the best. I didn't make it my issue. If it's your issue, live with it. Good luck. It's not my issue. But yes, many, many, many challenges along the way. 
we um, you had to you know uh, you had to work a little bit harder to be heard, a little bit harder to be seen on the same level. What helped me a lot, I must say, in terms of my standing in the marketing research industry is my involvement with SAMRA, our professional body. Um, I, I worked very hard on that side as well because I love research and I would, I'm trying to uh, professionalize research as much as possible, um, work on the ethics of research, but it helps a lot if you're also involved in a professional organization and you are being seen and heard in that sense. Now, fortunately in research, we are mainly driven by females. So very much a female or female field with, um, it's changing a little bit, I must say, I see more males nowadays. So um, I think it's easier than being in a, in a man's world, like an engineer or uh, something like that. So challenges, yes. Did it stop me? No. I really appreciate the insights that you've shared. One, particularly about ignoring the issues that somebody else has from their preconceptions. And we've had lawyers on the show. We've had um, medical doctors on the show who've said that clients don't know who the person is because there's a title on the door. And then when they come into the room and they see that, that it's a woman who is there, uh, who's consulting with them, that often they've actually just walked out because their expectation and their preconceived mindset is that there has to be a man in this position and this level of authority. And also think one of the other really valuable things that you spoke about is being a member of associations, industry associations, and being able to cement your expertise and exposure. And I'd like to touch on that uh, a little later. One of the things that I came across uh, relatively recently was a PwC report, which focused on South African businesses. And it indicated that only 13% of executive directors, so CEOs and CFOs, were women. And I wonder from your point of view, as a female leader, as someone who owns and runs and operates her own business, what do you think we can do to increase the throughput of more women into leadership roles? Well, okay, they all... <sighs> There are two ways. Now, the first one is that uh, one needs to overcome uh, perceptions. One needs to overcome uh, deeply seated ideas about, you know, can actually be a manager and uh, a CEO and not. And there are um, many examples of females who actually, um, you know, like, uh, Ms. Ramos, you know, those type of women who are really, really role models. So I think the role models are very, very important that uh, young females can see that it can happen. Then secondly, one, one should, should not be put off by anything. And I'm not saying uh, climbing the ladder by all costs. Live your life but live it in a way that you can actually achieve that. Don't live your life that, and 
um, for yourself, put a, a glass ceiling. Don't do that. If you believe you can reach the top, nothing can stop you. You will be able to do that. But if you believe there is a ceiling somewhere, that's exactly what is going to happen. So on the one side, we need to change society more. But on the other side, we as females should also not stop ourselves and become our own enemies. Yeah, nothing worse than self-sabotage. Yes. What would you say are some of the leadership strategies that you've applied and have found to be most effective? I have a servant leadership style. In research, um, you, you need to be a part of the team. You cannot achieve anything but being part of a team. So for me, the team members are critically important. I actually start at the bottom. The most important people in my business um, are the respondents and the participants in research. Without their cooperation, we will not exist. Then the next level are the interviewers, the people who actually have the guts to go and knock on a stranger's door. I don't have the guts to do that. I don't have the guts to handle all the rude people and the people who are actually uh, putting the dogs on you. I don't have the guts to do that. So they're the next most important people. And then our supervisors who are actually in the field every day in difficult circumstances, managing them. So I work from the bottom up and I cherish those people. And it has often happened uh, with a small business, you know, cash flow is always a problem. Because, as you mentioned earlier, financial institutions are not um, very cooperative. Um, That's a nice word to describe them. That we have gone without salary to make sure that those people are paid. Because we know they have commitments, etc. We can still make a plan in some other way, but they can't make a plan. So, for me, the people are the most important. And that's my whole style. We have an open-door policy. Sometimes, to my frustration, if I have to write a report, because people can come in at any time, ask a question, we will help them immediately. So they also know that it's open. You can talk to us about anything. And first of all, we will solve the human issues before we get to the business issues, because the are the most important. Maybe it's because of my background in psychology, but I, with those people, I can't. I can't have a company. That's the long and the short. With those people, I can't have contracts and make money. So that's the long and the short. Very people centric approach, and not everyone gets servant leadership right. I try. You're listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and today we're talking to Dr. Elsa Tyrion-Fenter, who is the director and co-owner of Mark Data. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. 
Dr. Tiran Fenter, you've highlighted some aspects of your academic background and how that relates to the work that you do. And when I look at your profile, as well as that of many of our other guests, education has been so important in terms of, of taking them ahead. You have your MA in psychology. You did your um, master's in business leadership. You've got your a doctorate in consulting psychology. You also lecture, you supervise, and you examine at postgraduate level. Please, can you share some of your views about education as an equalizer and an enabler for women? Yeah, I would say um, education is critically important. Um, I mean, that's stating the obvious. On so many levels, um, it's not on an academic level that you grow with education. It's also on a personal level. When I was doing my MVL, we worked in teams at UNISA, and that was a challenge to learn to work with different styles, with different people, work with people you do not get along with at all because you have a common goal. And the common goal is to pass. And if you're not working in the team, then you will never pass. So it's not only the academic side that for me is actually the less important side. The important side for me is to learn how to look at something with insight, not looking just at the facts. That's, that's not important. That is, that's the basic, the bottom of the pyramid, the facts. It's what you do with it that's important. So how, how do you get the insight? What other skills do you learn in the process? As I said, working with people, working with different people. So academics is not only about learning something. It's about learning about life. It's learning about how to cope with life. It is, in the end, when you sit in the reality of life, all those lessons that you've learned along the way should actually assist you. And unfortunately, if you do not have an education, especially in research, of course, you will not get further in your career. So, and we always look at when we appoint people, we look at what they do, and not only academically, other types of uh, training, um, diplomas, certificates, all those type of things we look at because. If you are really a curious person who are interested in things, you would grow in terms of what you want to learn in life. That soft skills piece is so essential for life. But I often think it's underplayed when you get your certificate, your, your diploma. Yes, it says, okay, great, you're wonderful. You've achieved this qualification. But all of those factors, especially the team dynamic, uh, that's what greases the wheel and actually makes things happen. Earlier, you spoke about being part of the uh, SAMRA, the Southern African Marketing Research Association, and about being able to professionalize research and really drive it uh, ahead. Do you think that there's enough collaboration between industry and academia? No, I don't. Uh, definitely not. 
I try to bridge it a little bit with all my academic involvement, teaching and so on. But no, there's definitely, there's a, because we are called marketing research, you know, it's a bit of them and us. And um, we try to reach out more to the academic institutions, be more involved uh, we try to involve academics in SAMRA. For example, one of my uh, members of the ethics committee is uh, an academic in uh, marketing, which is important, of course, with the ethics because there can be a gray area, which we try to avoid. So, but yes, there's not enough involvement. And to a certain extent, I would half blame both sides that there's not enough involvement. But in general, the interest from the academic side in marketing research is um, not as much as it should be. From the research psychology side, there should be more because we are actually employing research psychologists. Uh, that's where they mostly will get their work in the marketing research industry. So what I try to do when I lecture, I have a lecture where I tell them about the industry, how it works, what is required, um, just to prepare them a little bit for, for the life ahead. But if I'm not lecturing there and the other universities doing research psychology, they're not exposed to it. So it's a bit of both sides should get actually more involved the un, one with the other, and it's not only, I think, in marketing research, I think it's in other industries as well, where there should be a closer cooperation. I completely agree with you, because if you think about it from an academic point of view, that is the institutions that are developing students for life. And the professional side is where they're going to slot in, in the real world. And there has to be a more cohesion to allow that seamless process that one side is, is doing right by, by the other. Please tell us about some of your ambitions with the different institutions and structures you're involved with, particularly on SAMRA, the, the Southern African Marketing Research Association. Well, um, my current position there is that I'm board member for ethics, legal and governance. So first of all, on the ethics side is that I'm trying to make ethics approachable. Um, ethics often is seen as separated from what I do. So I'm trying to get people to integrate ethics in everything they do. So it is the way of doing business. It's not something separate. It's not like in academics, I get ethical clearance and I do the, the talk of do no harm and, you know, and I don't really know what it is. It is integrated in the day-to-day experiences. And, but it's difficult to, to do that. I'm currently struggling. I must do a newsletter on ethics. I'm trying to think, how can I make it sexy for the young people to actually go and sit down and read it and not think, oh, blah, blah, blah. Because that's often what they think, you know, it's for old people. 
On the legal side, we try to um, stay ahead, influence uh, whatever is happening on the legal side. We had a big influence on the Consumer Protection Act, where we actually got exemption from, research got exempted from the Consumer Protection Act. So we got a letter of exemption. We also, um, with the uh, PUPIA, we had a big influence. So for me, the mission on those two sides is to get people to do the right thing that we don't lose our exemptions because we got it because our ethical uh, codes are much stricter than uh, the legal side, the laws and the acts at this stage. So for me, it is to really get people to understand, to engage and live their ethics on a daily basis in research. Because without that, research is actually absolutely useless. Having good ethics and a moral code really should be integral to everything, let alone on the research dynamics, but so important that you've managed to attain those exemptions for the industry. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do the work that you do. Yes, that that is what happened in some European countries, that all of a sudden the, uh, the uh, PR or their privacy acts and everything prevented them from doing research. So we had that information, fortunately, already. So we could work in the right direction in South Africa. You're listening to Womanity, Woman and Unity. And today we're talking to Dr. Elsa Tyrion Fenter, who is the director and co-owner of Mark Data. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Turning towards more of a personal perspective, one question that I ask all my guests on the show is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. People speak about uh, values, uh, a particular person in their life, um, faith, discipline. In your opinion, what have been some of the key drivers for your success? I think the people in my life. Um, I had support from my parents from day one. I had support of wonderful colleagues and friends. I had support of my husband. Um, I work long hours. I work seven days a week uh, because I like it. And I would not have been able to do that if I didn't have that grounding and support from them. So for me, that is the, the most important. And I think to a certain extent, I feel very fortunate in my life that I was able to uh, make enough money to share my the money I've made. So uh, I'm very much... Uh, I live through things like that, assisting people who have problems. Um, I'm assisting animal welfare organisations. Where I can help, I'm trying to give back to the community. And it's also with my uh, supervision work that I do. 
with the students at the SPL of UNISA. I'm trying to give something back of, of what I had in life. And as I say, I, I see myself as very fortunate the way my life went and I'm not materialistic. I'm more into helping other people, assisting other people and giving back to the community. People play a very important role in my life. Yes, and that servant leadership dynamic is, is coming through as well. Please tell us about some of the pivotal moments in your life as you were growing up. Um, yeah, I think that um, important for me was, you know, there was never a question about that I would go and study and that I would have a career. I grew up in a non-traditional household. Uh, I'm coming from a very maternalistic line from my mother's side, very strong woman. I think the poor men in their lives you know, often played second fiddle, but there was never in our house role divisions or anything. It was what needed to be done was done. So whether it's my mother working in the garden or my father doing the dishes. So I'm very fortunate that I never had that so-called men's work, women's work. And I think that played a role in my life as well later on, because I never, I never had that mindset, never ever. So I live my life as a as a human, first of all. I am female, second of all, but I'm not stuck in a role. I live my life as I would like to live it. And it doesn't matter what roles other people want to give me. That's not who I am. I live my life as I want to. Do you think that having that strong maternalistic influence and lineage from your mom's side has been a strength? Because I remember earlier in the conversation, you, you said that if, if people's, you're not overcoming people's perceptions. If that is their perception of you, they need to deal with it. You're focused on your goal, your target, and what you're going to achieve. Absolutely, you know, um, absolutely. Um, I think that's the best role model uh, a mother can be for her child is to, to be a strong woman and not overbearing, but strong. You know, you are what you are. And your child can achieve whatever they want to achieve. Nothing is going to stop them. They can do, if they want to do something, they will be able to achieve it. And who would you say have been some of your strong female role models? You. That's a difficult, I, I, I do not have a lot of role models. pretty <laughs> like Um. I actually, I think the biggest role model I have was actually a male, and that was Professor Laurie Schlemmer. He was one of our directors. What I learned from him, that he was an amazing human being. Um, he was humble. Humble that you can't believe it, that, you know, uh, overseas companies would 
beg him to do work for them. But he would talk to an interviewer as if they are the CEO of that big multinational company. So he was just a humble, humble person. And the way he approached research was an eye-opener to me. He, I always say, he never uh, got stuck in the figures. You know, he would look at the bigger picture. And that's the important part. Whether it's 2% or 5% is not going to change anything. It is what it means and what you can do with it, which is the most important. So he was really um, somebody that I looked up to. He was really a very, very important person in my life. Females, I can't think of anybody offhand right now. Barbara, my, my grandmother, she was, she was a woman <laughs> of note. Tell us a, a little about her. Um, she was, uh, she ran a farm until she was 85 with an iron fist, let me tell you. Um, and she basically stopped the farming part because her eyes uh, became very weak and she had to get some care. But she was, she was just this rock in the family. Um, you know, I've never in my life that I've seen her, I didn't see her in any other way, you know, as the strong woman doing what she needs to do, and she did it. So she was really, uh, I'm amazed. I'm not going to work until I'm 85. I have no intention to do that whatsoever, but she did. And she, she made sure that everybody did what they had to do. Oh, it's wonderful to hear that people still go on with life and that they don't they don't have an ending, that it's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's that motivation and drive. Lastly, as we close out today's conversation, please can you use this platform to share a few words of inspiration or motivation to girls and women who are listening to us on the continent? Well, the first thing that I would say is don't restrict yourself. Never do that. If you want to do something, if you put your heart and head on it, you will be able to achieve it. That's the one thing I want to say. The other thing is um, I allow life to take me to places. I'm not stuck on something. And I would have missed a lot of very interesting um, life experiences. Uh, I would have missed a lot of interesting things happening in my life, career opportunities. If I had my plan and I was on my road to get to the end. No, life gives you opportunities. Listen to it. See it. That's the important. Often people don't see the opportunities because they're so stuck on the one road. Be open. Be open to things that can happen to you, but believe in yourself. That's the most important part. Just believe in yourself and do what you want to do, but do it well. Thank you. For and sure. if that do what you want to do is becoming the best administrator ever, then put your heart on it and do that. 
Thanks for sharing. I think those are fantastic words, having the the belief in yourself and being encouraged to be open to the world that is changing because it changes all the time. And if you are not in that vein, you could miss out on fantastic opportunities. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman Immunity, and we have been talking to Dr. Elsa Tyrion-Fenter, who is the director and co-owner of Mark Data.